Hey, Typology Tribe, Ian Morgan Cron, host of the show Typology, on which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. And I'm on today with my friend and the master Enneagram teacher, author, presenter, Beatrice Chestnut. Beatrice, welcome back. We have a, a big day coming up on our calendar, the end of June. Man, I'll tell you what, it's going to be the highlight of my year. Uh, on June 28th and 29th, we're going to be leading the Luminous uh, Conference here in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, where we are bringing together folks to take a deep dive into the Enneagram uh, with uh, you and I serving as uh, hosts of, of the gathering and teachers and uh, it's a, a limited group we have like a, a just limited to 100 spaces and people are signing up like crazy I cannot wait for this uh, this event to happen yeah me too it's going to be fun now you do a ton of teaching you're in Europe right now right that's right I'm in London okay now just tell me because you told me the other day cause about your teaching schedule can you just tell me like the last few weeks or the weeks coming up that you have, like where you are and what you're teaching? I just I want people to know about it. Sure, sure. Um, I was in Brazil in late April and then uh, in Portugal for an Enneagram conference and a two-day workshop that we did there. And now I'm in London and preparing for next week where we'll do a five-day retreat. And then I go to Italy to do my yearly Dante's Divine Comedy and the Enneagram uh, uh, workshop which we call from fixation to freedom in Florence. Uh, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Uh, what, can, so is there still room? <laughs> uh, I knew the title would get you. It's my one of my favorite ones. Well, you know, it's so funny because Andy and I actually we've gone to Florence many times. Really. And, Oh, probably five or six, seven times together. And we're planning to go for two weeks in September. Oh, just a few months too late. I know. <laughs> well, next year we'll do from free. Maybe I'll just have to do a little fixation to freedom to Dante by myself. Fixation to freedom in Florida. Can we go from fettuccine to fixation to, you know, right. whatever? Fettuccine Fantastic. is involved, I have to tell you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. I know. Yeah. I Oh, God, I love Italy. All right. So then you're going to be there. And then where do you go after that? You go from Italy to where? Then I go back to California, where we do a five-day workshop and a five-day retreat. And then that brings me right up to the week where I come see you. Gosh, you are out there working it. That's like more, that's like more dates than the stones. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you've got more dates than the stones on your new <laughs> You are out there working it, girl. That's something. That's impressive. Well, I really wanted to have you back on uh, on Typology in advance of the show, uh, advance of the conference, because I just want to give people a flavor of where things are going to be going when we're together. Yeah. The, you know, the whole point of Luminous was to create a setting where people could actually answer this question. Now that I know, and now that I know my number, and you know the basic features of it, and the, and I know enough about the Enneagram to be dangerous, but not so much that, you know, uh, I'm a Jedi yet. Um, <laughs> what do I do now? You know, how do I take this material and begin to work it into the warp and woof of my person so that I'm becoming a more self-aware, conscious presence in the world 
um, who is growing in my depth of self-knowledge and therefore in my compassion, my empathy. I just want to move through the world a little bit more um, deftly, you know? Yeah. And so that's the question I was, you know, hoping we could answer for people at this thing. Yeah. And, of course, who better to bring you in, uh, better than you to bring in to, to help answer that question? I know we're going to talk about subtypes. We're going to be talking about wings. We're going to be talking about uh, issues around stress and uh, security, the, the arrows, right? Right. Um, we're going to be talking about, which, I, by the way, I want to come back and, and position an idea with you about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also going to be talking about centers of intelligence, which I'd love to spend a few minutes on r- right now, if, if that's okay. Um, because, number one, we've not talked about it on the show, which is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because I just know how incredibly important and useful uh, center, understanding the whole the principles behind working with centers of intelligence can be on the transformational journey, right? Right. So just for our folks who have no context, can you just give us a, a quick run on, you know, what are centers of intelligence? So I think... Centers of intelligence is one of the things about the Enneagram, one of the elements that makes it different than other typologies, speaking of typology. Um, Because like, for instance, if you take the Myers-Briggs, you're really just talking about cognitive functions there. You're talking about the head level. Um, What I love about the Enneagram is that it's a holistic model of the human being And it talks about our human functioning in terms of our personality patterns, but specifically in terms of the functioning of these three centers or three brains. Uh, Claudio Naranjo Mm -hmm. used to say all the time, uh, we're three-brained beings. Gurdjieff said this too, meaning Mm -hmm. we have not just one brain in our head like we tend to think of, especially in in Western culture. We tend to privilege the head. The education system is all directed toward the head and head knowledge, head head kind of processing. But the Enneagram says, no, there's three brains, not just one. And one of them is the head. You know, we think, we analyze, we plan with the head function. But there's these other two centers of taking in and processing information from the outside world. One is our heart or our emotional function, and the other is our body. Uh, which is kind of the center of instincts as well as movement, gut knowing, kinesthetic intelligence, sensing things. Uh, And so these are three co-equal centers through which we experience all that we experience. Mm. That's so good. I love, there's a couple things you said that I love. One is that we are three-brained people, right? And I really do believe that's true. Um, and I do think that where people often get in trouble, right, is when they overprivilege mm. or overuse one of those centers or right. and even perhaps even, you know, uh, put down other centers. Yes. Uh, other te- right. They kind of like, yes. oh, you know, because like I, I have a dear friend of mine who's a five. Yeah. And um, and obviously in that that head mental uh, triad who always, you know, you're too much. You feel too much. You know yes. what I mean? It's like, yes. Now. He may be right, but he also may be indicting himself for not f- being in touch with his feeling center enough either. You know, it's sort of right. So tell me, so tell me, what wisdom is there inside of this whole teaching around centers of intelligence that is available to people? Well, I think you're alluding to it right there. There's a way that um, when we're in personality, one of the problems with that is that we're coming from one center much more than the other two. 
And of course, our personality acts pretty automatically, so we don't know it. Uh, mm. We just do what we do, and we don't realize how out of balance we are and how, how we could function so much better if we were more consciously drawing on all three centers especially in terms of the way they work best and in the right situations, mm. you know, using the right center and the right function for the right purposes. Right. Wow. Oh man. So good. Okay. So twos, threes, and fours are heart types. Right. Right. And um, so they're in that heart center or emotional center and uh, five, six, and seven are in the head center or intellectual center, as, it, as you like to say. Right. And the eight, nines, and ones are in the body center. Um, and you have, you, you call it including the motor center, right? That's a right, mm, right. Move, sort of a... Sometimes called movement. Yeah, movement or motor. So the, the body, the, the body center is this actually a center of two functions. It's a little more complex. It has the instinctive function, and it also has what we call a movement function. And the only mm -hmm. difference is, is that movement is things that we learn, and instincts are things that we don't have to learn because they're so ingrained, they're automatic, like breathing. Uh, we don't have to learn how to breathe. But like walking and talking, we, have to, we kind of mimic what we see going on in the outside, and that's how we learn to do it. Mm. Okay. So... People in the heart center or emotional center, twos, threes, and fours, right? These are people for whom um, feeling, uh, they encounter and process information as it comes to them principally through the heart center. Is that a way of, of one way of putting it? Right, right. When we're in touch with our emotion, um, that's our heart center working. And mm -hmm. oftentimes when we relate to other people, we do it through emotion. Like we like someone, we don't like someone, or we're empathizing with someone, or we're feeling connected to someone. And all of those things are heart functions, including like, say what threes are really good at, which is like reading a room. Right. That's a heart center function. Having a right. sense, just an just a automatic sense without having to think about it, of how somebody else is feeling. Things like that. Mm. Right, and you're exquisitely attuned as a, you're a two on the enneagram. Right, you're ex like like as a person in that heart center, you're exquisitely attuned to the feelings of others. Right. Uh, for me as a four, I'm exquisitely attuned to my own feelings. Yes. Uh, in 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 the moment. Yes. So, uh, so for me as a four, let's let's just use me for a second, if I may. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, if I may. Um, <laughs> All right, you're you're. Let's say you're my psychotherapist, and you're working with me on a whole issue around uh, my center of intelligence, right? Yeah. And you're like saying, "Okay, Ian, all your life, you know, you're a four, you're in the heart center. Here's what I want you to begin to do. So you're going to start to give me some work to do around centers. Um, what what would you begin to do with me? Well, it's interesting because the three types in the heart center have slightly different tasks when it comes to working with the heart center, working with that mm -hmm. heart function for fours. I would say, and again, it would depend on what you were talking about, but I might help you see how sometimes you tend to get a little over-identified with your emotions, mm -hmm. or you can tend to stick with the emotional part too long and not bring mm -hmm. in, say, some thinking to, and to almost enhance the, think, to think more about your emotions, to get a little more objective, uh, to not just come so much purely from, say, an internal experience of something emotional without kind of balancing that by, say, 
reaching out and seeing what's going on with other people's feelings, um, or like I said, sort of thinking and reasoning a little bit more to balance out what might, what fours sometimes do, which is get a little bit too uh, much into the place where they're reading the whole world through their internal world of feelings or tr- through their internal mm. territory, their inner terrain of, of different kinds of feelings. Mm. So, yeah, one of the things I've been worked on knowing uh, some of this teaching has been over the years is, number one, knowing that I'm in that heart center and saying, okay, so I'm really, really good at that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm really good. In fact, I'm a little too good at it. Exactly. So I need to strengthen some other muscles here uh, so that I don't become Johnny One Note, as my grandmother used to like to say. Right. Um, and um, so I might say to myself, OK, and so, yeah, your feelings are good guides, but we need to make sure that your critical thinking comes up to balance that. Right. You right. Need to, you need to employ critical thinking and. You need to start doing things like right. beyond like. So, again, I'm drawing on other, you know, uh, centers here was like, all right, so I need to apply critical thinking and decision making. I need to actually start doing things instead of just fantasizing about them in my feeling place. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And so I want to bring all these things into balance. And so you just use yes. that phrase. Right. Which is um, balancing centers. And that's that's a. Uh, a you know, a long taught piece of Enneagram wisdom. What does it mean to balance centers? Right. It means uh, really getting, well, self-observing to the point where mm-hmm. you can see that, you know what, I'm, I'm really overusing one center and not using the other two as much as I could so that I'm a little bit you know, I'm out of balance in terms of the way I'm experiencing the, uh, the world. I'm experiencing uh, all, too much through one channel and not enough through the other two channels that I have access to. See, this is huge. This is a really big idea, right? Yeah. And I'll tell you, and I'm sure you've experienced this too. This goes over, this really connects with people in the corporate world and the leadership world. Yes. This, I mean, huge. Yes. Right? Yeah. You'll get some, let's say you have a, a one, right? And uh, they're, they're over there in that instinctual triad, that body triad. And uh, you start to talk to them about bringing into balance that instinctual energy with thinking and feeling, right? Yeah. Drawing from those two other centers. Yeah. You, you begin to have a more holistic view of what leadership or, or work can be like, right? Yes. Um, for me as a father, as a four, knowing that I need to draw on the wisdom of what five, sixes, and sevens have in that thinking yes. space. Yes. Uh, and the eight, nines, and ones have in that doing body space. Yep. And if I can get thinking, feeling, and doing all into balance. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and stop over relying on feelings because I can play those cards all night long. Me too. And literally. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I can do feelings all night long, but yeah. when it comes to, but I need to draw on the wisdom and strengthen the muscles because we have them. It's not like I don't think or I don't have an instinctual center where I'm doing or taking action. It just means that they're not the, the muscles that I have relied on historically through my life to navigate. Now, this is always sort of my take on this stuff, right? Is like human beings, by virtue of evolution, want to do all they can to conserve calories. Yes. Right? Yeah. We, that's how we survive the Serengeti, right? Let's, <laughs> you know, preserve calories. You may need to sprint in a second. 
<laughs> so we take the path of least resistance. So I happen to be, when it comes to, I'm a little bit of a Jedi around feelings. Yes. Right? I'm really good, and I want to stay good at it. I don't want to lower my sort of feeling intelligence. Right. You know, that's not a good thing. But what I want to do is bringing my thinking and my doing up into balance with it. I want to raise those. So I got to take those to the gym and work them out. Right. How do I, so how do I do that? So, and of course this is different for every type, right? Right. Um, people in the thinking tribe, they need to elevate, need to elevate other things, you know, and we'll be talking about this uh, at the Luminous Conference. We're going to be going far deeper into it than, than we are right now. So um, I don't even know what we were talking about. What were we talking about? <laughs> I think centers we were talking about centers. Yeah, yeah but yeah. We, I left this off somewhere. It's gone now. Isn't yeah, it? it's gone. Along with, you know, the 80s for me are gone, too, <laughs> just so you know. They're you gone. said that because we were talking about Billy Idol earlier. Yeah. <laughs> All of the 80s are gone for me. It's like it's like watching water slurring, uh, slurring past my memories. You know, uh, oh, my gosh. So funny. Well, I am. Um, I've learned so much from centers personally and working doing work with work with centers of intelligence. B, tell me about how you have worked with centers of intelligence. You're intelligence in your own personal journey and how they've been helpful to you. So one of the early things I learned about myself through the Enneagram was indeed how emotional I am and how I was more emotional than I actually Mm. thought I was. Um, Early on when I was studying the Enneagram, I was talking with a friend of mine and I asked him for if he had any feedback for me. And he said, you know, sometimes you're a little too emotional. And I was I got emotional, of course, (laughs) and it it really hurt my feelings because we twos are sensitive that way. And I just, I I didn't see that about myself. And Mm. one of the interesting things about centers is, so sometimes I coach people who are learning the Enneagram and learning how to do typing or profiling and help someone find their type. And I noticed sometimes like beginners would ask people like, do you know what center you come from? Are you more of a body type, a heart type or a head type? And what I learned is you can't ask someone because they don't know. Mm. Um, A lot of, a lot of body types look like head types, like ones. Right. And Mm. as a, I didn't realize how emotional I was and how much it drove my thinking that a lot of times when Mm. I thought I was being objective, when I thought I was just, you know, thinking about something, my thinking was actually completely colored by my feelings. And so part of what really helped me when I was learning my Enneagram type was to really learn and and own just how emotional I was and Mm. what the impact was of that on my life. Mm. That's so good. See, this is like, you know, again, like this is when you start to move into the Enneagram beyond just knowing the characteristic features of your type and knowing enough about it to be interesting at a cocktail party, um, and you start to move into these other areas, you realize, oh, my gosh, there's so much stuff to be mined here mm-hmm. that could really help me in my pursuit of, of being um, a whole human being, mm-hmm. you know, like fully whole, fully alive in the world. Uh, I, to your point, B, again, I'm a feeling person as a four. Um, and I've, I've learned like with the Enneagram, I realize, you know, there are just some things I'm never going to do as well as some other people. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. And so I have a dear friend of mine. I spoke to him yesterday. He lives in Connecticut. His name is Chris, and he's a five on the Enneagram. And he's he's a dear, warm soul and very wise. Um, and whenever I have a decision 
that's an important decision. And uh, I know that I'm caught up in a lot of emotions about them, about yes. the decision. Yes. I call him. Mm. Yes. And and he knows that like, like I'm that his, so I, like, oh, you're my five guy. You know what I mean? Like yes. when I'm. Yes, yes. And you know, what's funny is I have a similar thing. I have a good five friend, same, wise, warm. I call her when I'm writing an angry letter to somebody. Because, because wow. I know it's going to be way too angry and she helps me tone it down. Right. Because yeah. she'll say, Oh no, you got to take that out. Oh no, this isn't personal. Don't make it that way. You know? So same thing, different task, but it's like that. It's like, she's always going to look at things more objectively. She immediately takes mm. the emotion out of it where I put it too much in there. Yeah. I'll tell you another area where this has been uh, important for me lately is in my marriage. Mm. So uh, my wife is a nine. Annie is a nine. You're going to get to meet Annie. She's a delight. Great. Oh, she is a delight. And uh, yeah, so Annie is a nine and very much a body type, right? Mm. And I've learned a couple of things. about. So here's some interesting things, by the way. This, I've, I'm going to do a little marriage work right here, okay? <laughs> here we go. So first thing in the morning, the first things out of Anne's mouth will be things like, um, I didn't sleep well last night, or my shoulder hurts today, or mm. um, I need to get up and go for a walk, or it's all, she is so attuned to her body in a way, like she knows, like my stomach is a little off, mm. I, I think maybe I had some dairy yesterday, I'm like, who thinks this much about their body? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, right. Yeah. Like she is so in her body all the time. It's yes. like at the forefront of her attention yeah. is what's happening physically all the time. I can't tell you. Like I could get right. up and I go, I feel fine, I think, because yeah. my attention is just not right. actually, as you can tell from looking at me, I'm not as concerned about my body <laughs> as I should be. Um, and, 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 uh, so again, you know, you just begin to recognize these things. And I used to just sort of put her down in a way mm. like, say, oh, stop talking. You look great. Or you, you know, you, okay, you've got a little blotch on your face. Who cares? Why do you even notice it? You know, <laughs> right. but again, it's, it's understanding her wiring a little bit. That's good. And, um, I've been able to help her be, when it becomes unhelpful to her say back off just a little, you know, let's take that out of the equation just a little bit you know let's take the mm -hmm. accelerator off of that focus just a little bit oh that's really good ian i have a question yes this is backing up a little bit b earlier you said that we're unable to determine our own center of intelligence we're unable to answer that question for ourselves right with that being the case how do we determine our center of intelligence how do we answer that question you know, yeah, that that's a little bit tricky. I mean, one of the ways I do that mm -hmm. is through asking about the three core emotions of the human ego, which are correspond with the Enneagram centers. Mm -hmm. So not only are these functional places that are doing different things, uh, but the body triad is associated with the core emotion of anger, the heart mm -hmm. triad with the core emotion of sadness or grief. And the head triad associated with fear. So these three emotions are kind of key. So that's the doorway I go in because um, I think sometimes people, even I mean, even body type, some body types aren't really that aware of their body. You know, mm. um, some emotional types think they're more heady than they are. So you can't really ask directly about these things so much as you find out. You know, like for instance, when I ask someone what's your experience of fear in your life? 
Um, and I and, and I also I, I think I also tend to go in the doorway of just finding their type uh, and mm. then seeing how the type plays out. And that's often a way to help them see where they're coming from, because even even talking about the core emotions can get tricky because for each of the triads, there's one type that overdoes the core emotion, mm. one type that underdoes it and one type that's sort of in the middle, kind of in conflict with or up and down. Uh, and for instance, nines will say they never get angry, even though anger is the core emotion associated with nines. So it's, a, it's very tricky. And so ten, I tend to go in through the doorway of if I can hone in on what somebody's type is, and then we can start talking about how, how that gives them more insight into how they operate, then we can usually learn more about how they're overusing their center. Mm. Mm. or underusing their center yes. or over underusing it yes right yeah fantastic this is gonna be a great conversation anthony yes it is we've got so much to learn that's right june 28th and 29th here in nashville super excited hey b just so, as we close out i want to ask you a question sure on your journey of transformation right now what where what are you learning right now that's exciting to you in your life right now as as through the lens of the enneagram um good question so uh, one of the things that's happening for me right now is I'm starting a new Enneagram school um, at, with a partner. And so a lot is coming up as I'm working with this person. And, you know, we're creating this business together. And so um, I'm not married. And I notice a lot of my relationship dynamics play out here. Like when things get mm. hard, I start thinking about how can I get out of this? Um, which isn't very nice when you're, you know, when you've made a commitment to start a business with someone or a, a more personal relationship. And the work we do is very, um, you know, it's about human growth and development. So we also have a good friendship. So I'm noticing a lot about um, how to do the work of supporting people's personal growth from a place in myself, which is about balancing stepping into my power and staying mm. humble. Yeah. Because as a two, you know, my passion is pride and I tend to have fear of pride. And so I can tend to make myself small, actually, because it feels safer than being caught being prideful or being too big or wanting to be too important or thinking, oh, I wrote a book. I must be amazing. And so but at the same time, I need to help people, you know, direct their growth journey and people to look look to me for some guidance and some good information. Right. So I would say two things, balancing, really stepping into my power and owning what I know, but also staying very much in touch with the way I'm struggling every day like everybody else and the things I'm still learning, and also learning a lot through my relationship with my business partner who happens to be a five. Uh, mm. and, and I think twos and fives are opposites in some ways, uh, especially oh, yeah. with regard to the centers, but other things too. You know, he automatically disconnects with feelings. I'm too much in my feelings. And I notice that I take things personally uh, a lot. And so when you're working with someone in, in a bit, both to create the business part of a business, but also in doing this work of supporting people in their in vulnerable places, to go deeper, to inspire them on their journey. Um, we need to be as aligned and, and in a good place with each other as we can be. So, so balancing both the being smart about, you know, doing the, the more organizational tasks and not letting my ego get in the way of either other people's growth work or the relationship I need to have with the people in my life, not just him, uh, so that I can be 
developing and getting, you know, for instance, as a two right now, I would say a big thing I'm working on is being less oversensitive. Mm. Um, something can happen. Someone says something to me like today. Um, my business partner was out, he was out doing errands and he got lunch for himself. And I said, you ate without me. You didn't bring me anything, you know? And I mean, that's sort of silly, and, but, and now it actually doesn't hurt me as much, as much as it would have, would have before. But there is a way of like, especially since I'm a self-preservation too, then mm. I'm like, how, how could you not think about me and what I was eating for lunch, you know? And I can right. really get kind of, you know, hurt by that. And it's so silly, you know? So I'm really working on a lot of different ways, not letting my feelings. And again, this comes right back to centers not letting my feelings drive the show, not getting hurt by things that really aren't that big a deal, not getting mad about things that I should get over easily, uh, and really being able to sort of rise above the up and down of my emotions uh, more, mm. more, more better. <laughs> so I'm in a, uh, I'm in a 12-step uh, support uh, community and uh, that, I, that meets every, uh, we meet every week, right? A couple of times a week for this week with, with drug and drinking uh, problems. And uh, my sponsor, <laughs> he, knowing I'm a four and he's just, he's got this Southern beautiful charm and a lyrical sort of tone and master of language. And he, he says to me sometimes, he'll say, you know, Ian, you should try not to get too involved in your own life. That's <laughs> great. Uh, he said that to me the other day, and I'm like, what did you just say? He goes, try not to get too involved in your own life. Oh, my God. That is a and great thought, thing to say to a four. It's the, but it's the perfect thing, right? Yes. It's like he, he called me out. He was like, man, you know. And so one of the gifts of the Enneagram is, is it, it can show you and hopefully in a way that does make you laugh. I love, uh, B, I love the fact that you were laughing all through the telling of that story, right? Yeah. That's a sign of, I think that's a sign of mm, real health. Yeah. It's like yes. when you can see your stuff while it's happening and, yeah. and just look at it with compassion and with a smile, with yes. laughter, and be able to look at it and go, oh, man, you know, there's that little ego, yeah. scared on, on the run. Just, yes. Just, I remember, do you like Jack Cornfield, B? I do like Jack Cornfield. Don't yes. you love him? Yes. Uh, do you do you know him by any chance? I don't know him personally, no. He's right in my neighborhood, and I know a yeah. lot of people who go out to his center in Marin, but I have uh, sadly not been. I've only read his books. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of, of, of Jack Cornfield's. Yeah. And uh, I love how he, he speaks to this idea of... Um, you know, letting go of the ego, but it should be, there should be laughter and there should be some joy in it. Uh, and mm. a little bit of, of a rolling of the eye, you know, uh, the rolling back of the eyes and just saying, well, you know, this is, this is me, this is me doing my thing. And, but that awareness to be conscious, to be awake and to see what's happening in the moment and so that you can make different choices and not be automatically just living on automatic in personality just you know banging around guardrail to guardrail on the highway of life just not aware of you know and oh gosh what a gift the enneagram has been that way mm-hmm. yeah for me and b what a gift you've been to us and and i can't wait to to have a couple of days together and to uh, do this luminous event, June 28th, June 29th here in Nashville. We're going to be doing a deeper dive into the Enneagram with you and me. Matt Wirtz will be playing some music. We've got 
Uh, just a great, great couple of days coming up together. For those of you who want to come join us, you can. There's still room, though I think it is filling up uh, pretty quickly. Like I said, it will be June 28th and 29th here in Nashville, Tennessee. The Luminous Gathering with me, your host of Typology, author of The Road Back to You, Ian Morgan Cron, and my good friend and colleague, Beatrice Chestnut, author of The Complete Enneagram, uh, among other books, which uh, are equally as wonderful to that one. If you want to come join us at, uh, at, uh, at Luminous, you can go to ianmorgancron.com forward slash Luminous. L-U-M-I-N-O-U-S for more information and details and you can register there. B, thanks for being on Typology today. Oh, it's been a pleasure as usual and I look forward to seeing you in June. Well, we just did a little tip of the hat towards centers of intelligence and uh, but we're going to be far more moving into depth on that on that topic in a way I think it's going to be incredibly rich. Mm. All of you out there, we love you from me and Anthony, from Percy, the golden doodle dog producer of our studio (laughs) all our love and remember the words of the great Oscar Wilde be Be yourself everybody else is already taken see you later (laughs) (laughs) 